This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello and welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. Anyone who has seen a child recover from a wound or a broken bone knows that kids are made to heal. Their bodies are more resilient, more adaptive, and far more able to withstand acute stress than adults. Yet, children are often treated as an afterthought by the medical establishment and shunted off to doctors who specialize in caring for adults. Will an anesthesiologist accustomed to treating older patients know how to handle a toddler? If your soccer-playing daughter suffers a concussion, should you take her to the nearest ER or drive further to seek out doctors who specialize in treating kids? In this part of today's show, we're going to be speaking with a doctor, a pediatric surgeon, in fact, who is the president and CEO of one of the major children's hospitals in this country, about his experiences. And he makes the case that children are more than miniature adults. He's also going to tell us about some of the brave kids that he's treated over the years and about the revolution that's taking place in children's medicine. He'll also talk about what all children need to survive and, more importantly, perhaps, what parents need to know about how to interface with the medical profession when they have a sick and sometimes a very sick child. We'll start talking about stories from the frontiers of pediatric medicine when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brott, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Hey, Kevin, thinking about saving for retirement? Yeah, but how do I start? It's easy with Avvo, a retirement coach. Let's learn the Avvo bet. A is for taking action. Not anxiety? No, Kevin, you're going to be fine. You sick? Barely. V is for variety. Huh, change up my strategy. Okay. O is for optimize your savings. Let Avvo lead the way. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and my guest for this part of today's show is Kurt Newman, who is the author of Healing Children, a Surgeon's Stories from the Frontiers of Pediatric Medicine. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about, you're also the president and CEO of Children's National. Tell us about what that is. Well, uh, Children's Children's National is the uh, Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C. So uh, most of my career, uh, I've been at at Children's. Uh, I was a surgeon and then chief of surgery, and now the last seven years, I've been the CEO. And do they have any particular specialty besides children? That they, that they deal with there? Well, we take care of uh, uh, kids, whether they're newborns or sometimes even before uh, children are born, uh, when they have certain conditions. 
through their teenage years, and then more and more we're seeing uh, young adults and and even some adults with conditions that they've survived, and uh, we're the best people to, that know how to take care of these kids. How did you happen to, to decide to focus on that? I mean, you're, you're going through medical school, you do your various rotations and, and internships and things, so some people end up in doing heart surgery, and you ended up with little kids. How, how did that happen? Well, you know, when I started medical school, uh, the last thing I wanted to be was a surgeon, first of all. I was going to be a cardiologist, and then I had my own brush with surgery. I had uh, the diagnosis of a thyroid cancer was when I was in medical school, and my surgeon was terrific. The operation cured me, and I, I decided uh, through that, wow, this had so much impact, uh, I wanted to go into surgery. And so I was doing then doing my training to be an adult surgeon, uh, and I was going to focus on cancer. And then I had a rotation uh, that was going to be at a children's hospital. And before that, I thought that was, uh, again, probably the last thing I wanted to do. I had this image in my mind that a children's hospital must be very depressing, uh, a lot of sick kids, a lot of tough stories. And I walked into that hospital, and I discovered it was anything but. It was full of hope and inspiration. Uh, there was art, music. Uh, there were kids that were just uh, such, such so courageous. And uh, I knew right, right then and there that's what I wanted to do. So I made a pivot over to uh, uh, pediatric surgery, surgery for children, and I've never looked back. No, I've thought, and this may not be the best analogy, but I've thought in a way that being a pediatrician or a pediatric surgeon in, in some ways must be like being a vet, vet a veterinarian, in, in that your patients can't always explain to you what it is that's going on. You can just look at them and there's something wrong. You can see that they hurt or there's a lump or something, something is off, but how do you deal with that part of it? Well, there is uh, some of that. You have to be uh, really have to listen to the family and particularly the, the, the mothers. You can gain so much knowledge there and, uh, and clues about what's going on. Uh, and it is more, more difficult sometimes. But with all the technology that's come along and, you know, it's just amazing the science that's happening, uh, it's gotten a little, little easier in some ways. Uh, there's so many other uh, things that uh, can add to trying to make a diagnosis. But at the heart of it is being a, a really good listener. The, the other dimension, I'd say, that makes uh, uh, pediatrics and pediatric specialists and children's hospitals uh, special is that we're always thinking forward. It's not just the situation we have in front of us, you know, like a, uh, a broken bone or, or uh, uh, the uh, pain or, or, or whatever. Uh, it's also thinking forward about what's the potential of that child? What is it that I'm going to do today uh, that's going to impact that uh, child uh, for the rest of his life and making decisions sort of almost with that extra dimension looking out, out over the time you know I've seen that uh, so many times and, and now I'm enjoying seeing these kids that, that I've taken care of that have grown up where those decisions I made uh, played out and uh, with a lot of success. Do you have trouble watching medical TV shows? You know, I do. Uh, I'm always picking them <laughs> apart, and, uh, you know, they, oh, boy, they missed that one. They're getting better and better at that, and, and there's so much drama that's packed into these shows. But, uh, you know, I think they do give uh, some 
some insight and the the people that go into medicine and and, and children's medicine you know they're so uh, committed and passionate and when that comes across through those shows uh, i really appreciate it i mean i was thinking about that, that it's all packed into such a short period of time and i would imagine some of the the diagnostics and the testing and and figuring out this thing that didn't work and that thing that didn't work, you know, they get it all done in, in an hour or if, you know, if you take out the commercials, 48 minutes or whatever it is. And for you, it must be taking days or weeks sometimes or longer. Uh, that, that's exactly right. I mean, they do uh, pack it in. And, and one of the things I, was to help uh, people, uh, particularly parents, but people in general, uh, understand that the special value of a children's hospital and, you know, a lot of people don't know uh, how different it is or how special uh, a hospital like that is or how special a, a pediatrician is. So I want to get across the idea that it is different, that the hospitals are equipped differently, the tests are different, the doctors are different. You can't get that done in a, a TV show. So I, I did it through these stories of kids that I took care of to try and, and uh, help people understand how different it is and also give them some tools about how they can prepare themselves and be, be part of it. Well, tell us one of the stories. Well, you know, um, I had a, 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 a baby that was born, and I first met him on an operating room table. His name was Tyler, and I was completely uh, unprepared for what I, I saw when I uh, met Tyler in, the, in that operating room. He was four hours old. Uh, he was no bigger than a grapefruit, and he was born with a really tough situation, something I really uh, hadn't had much experience with. All his organs were um, on the outside, and um, mm. I knew that I had to, whatever I did in that operating room uh, was going to uh, impact him the rest of the life, his life. Now, the good news is he is now, he's grown up, he's 30 years old, he's happily married, He's even had his own healthy son, so I kind of spoiled the story there. But he went through 22 operations and uh, lots of therapy, lots of lots of uh, uh, different things he had to overcome. But uh, he was a fighter. He was courageous, and he's just lived to uh, uh, live a very uh, complete and happy life. And I always think back to that situation on that operating room table when the decisions I was making were going to extend all through uh, the rest of his life. And that's the beauty of pediatric medicine, children's uh, specialists, is that uh, that impact uh, can have so much uh, positive effect for those kids. So you want yeah. uh, people you want people that have that approach. Now, with a kid like that, was that a surprise to the doctors or the, or the parents that the organs were like that, or did they know that was coming? You know, in this case, it was a big surprise, and uh, more and more with the technology we have, uh, that that doesn't happen as as frequently. Uh, but even uh, and and really, one of the points here is that even with all that, uh, this child, this baby, just had a, the, the total potential to uh, be a wonderful kid. So you never want to give up, and uh, uh, no matter what you're presented with. And does that leave scars? I mean, you're talking about a baby who's so young with, with uh, doing, a, I would imagine, a significant amount of cutting. Are, does, the, does he have scars as an adult, or does that heal in a different way than it does for adults? You know, that's a terrific uh, uh, question because 
uh, we used to think, well, there was no difference in the healing. And more and more we're seeing that uh, babies and, and very uh, uh, newborn and even before birth, their healing is different, and the scars are different. So they, they do scar, scar less uh, physically. I think the other thing we need to think about is uh, making sure they don't scar in terms of their brains, in terms of uh, their neurological uh, development. And, and that's one of the things that really uh, I, I came to learn. Even with that case, my, my future wife, she was a, it was, she was, we were there uh, together. She's a nurse. Uh, she scolded me be, uh, during after that operation because I hadn't been paying enough attention to the baby he needed his mother, and you know mm. it was more of a clinical situation. I've never made that mistake again. Talking with Kurt Newman, who's the author of Healing Children. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will keep talking to Kurt about his experiences as a pediatric surgeon and more. I'm Armin Brock. You're listening to Positive Parenting. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn, but not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Broad. If you're just joining us, talking with Kurt Newman, who's the author of Healing Children, A Surgeon's Stories from the Frontiers of Pediatric Medicine. So you've talked a couple of times about the different technologies that have happened uh, over over the, the many years that you've been doing this. What's the biggest advance that you've seen that has, has really helped you to do your job better? Well, I think one of the uh, biggest things is the the advances in the technology of imaging, of, of x-rays, of CAT scans and MRIs, so that uh, there's fewer and fewer surprises in terms of the diagnosis of things. I'd say another big area of advance is the different medications uh, that we have now, the, the anesthesia, the pain medications, the 
antibiotics. So, uh, and, and more and more of them are specific uh, for children. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, had bothered me early in my career is that devices, uh, drugs uh, were not designed with children in mind. They were typically they would be uh, created for adults, and then we'd have to uh, modify them back to uh, use in children. It, that might be a, a robot or a scope or uh, even most medications are not designed with children in mind. We're starting to shift that around. And I think uh, for me, in a sense, that philosophy of, of that shift to putting children first is very, very rewarding because it's frustrating when you see most of the research going for adult medicine, uh, most of the device and drug development going for adults. And I think it's such a better return on investment if we in, in, do that in, in, for our children. Now, you mentioned, Kurt, one of the reasons that you wrote the book was to, to help parents. How, do, how can a parent who's got a child who's sick, who's pre-verbal, begin to take notes or prepare themselves for meeting with a doctor? Sure. That, you know, is so important uh, for uh, parents to feel empowered to be part of the team. You know, it's uh, uh, for many, many years, uh, people have been deferential to the medical profession. And I understand that because of all the, the knowledge, but the parents know their children the best. And so having that those observations, those uh, uh, that are that, that a doctor needs, a hospital needs. Another side of that is being prepared before a child gets sick. So being uh, able to talk to the pediatrician and say, "Well, where where would you send my child if you were sick? What what specialist do you use? Uh, if he needs surgery, are these pediatric anesthesiologists? A lot of people don't even think about." Uh, who's going to put their child to sleep, or know where the closest emergency department is that that takes care of children and has everything that's needed for a child, or even make sure your health plan includes the children's hospital uh, as part of the coverage. People don't uh, think about these things because you sort of go along thinking your child is healthy, there's not going to be anything that, that happens. But my experience tells me uh, you're in much better shape if you've thought about those kinds of things ahead of time. So if you're in a crisis, you can deal with the child and not have to worry about uh, making decisions like that. I would imagine in your position, I mean, I've, I've known some, some doctors over the years, especially some ER doctors, and they've all lost patients. And that that's just, they somehow have, have managed to be able to put that behind them, that it's part of the job, that it's part of the deal. Uh, does that come into play with you? I would imagine that you've lost some patients along the way. How, how hard is that? It's hard. Uh, and, you know, it's one of the hardest things even now in my current job as a, as a CEO. Uh, you think about the, the, the kids, some, some of whom you get close to in the families. I think of one, uh, his name was Casey. Uh, he was such a gregarious kid. He, uh, everybody loved him in the hospital when he'd come in. He, he was battling uh, cancer uh, uh, that had shown up uh, with some pain while he was playing soccer in his leg, and it was a bone cancer. Uh, we did everything we could, surgery, uh, the chemotherapy, uh, 
radiation therapy, even to the point of amputating his leg, and I'd operated on him a few times. This kid was so positive, so upbeat. We called him the mayor. I mean, he just had this this impact on, on people around him and, and just the energy and positive energy that, that he had. Uh, when he passed away, the, the church was full. Um, and sometimes we learn from these kids and families in, 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 a, in a different way, and it, it, it excites, excites us and empowers us to do even more, uh, to, to uh, be inspired to uh, rededicate ourselves to, to when, when you have a kid like that. But, but you know, I miss him, and I, I think about him. Hmm. Have there been others that have been been really real challenges to to deal with? I mean, something that that perhaps a, a choice that you made that led to a bad outcome. Well, you know, I think uh, the uh, as a surgeon, uh, uh, you are in situations where you're making decisions and and trying to uh, do your best and 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 be involved in a way that. Uh, you take all the information in and work with the family. Uh, and I have had uh, a few, uh, fortunately not many over the years, where maybe I regretted uh, a choice I made. It's not generally made in a sense of, uh, of you know, in a, in a selfish way. It, it's trying to do the, the right thing, but the, in the learning and in the experience and in the, I guess, the humility of always examining uh, what we do as doctors, as surgeons, as nurses, I think that's that's how you grow. And uh, mm-hmm. I think the families I've gotten close to, even when we've been through a long trial, uh, we've emerged uh, uh, stronger. And we're not there yet in terms of being able to do everything we can do, whether it's for cancer or for some genetic diseases, or the one that is troubling me, me the most these days is, is mental and behavioral health. Yeah. We're not doing enough there. We're, uh, yeah. There's so much more, whether it's research or uh, uh, providing training or uh, identifying problems and taking the stigma off of that. So uh, that's what I love about medicine, though, is that there's this opportunity to to even ma- to to double down and and make more of an impact. You, know, you mentioned a little bit about the deference that people have, parents in particular, have for the medical profession. But I would imagine that there's the other side of that, that and I'm wondering how you deal with this kind of thing, where a patient or a parent, if sorry, is is uh, being a little aggressive. Uh, well, I, I, I read this article on the Internet, or I saw an episode of House or something where where this situation was, or how come you're not trying this or that? How do you deal with that? Did, you know, you want to essentially tell them to just shut up and stay out of the way, but you don't <laughs> want to be rude about it. Well, I, I try and see that as a uh, true commitment on their part to, <laughs> to, to know more and to be involved and engaged, and I never want to um, uh, turn that off uh, to a point. But uh, I think it's a process of education, and there's been some times where somebody's brought something to me, and, and uh, you know, it's something I didn't know. I mean, there's so many, uh, there's so, only so many things you can keep up with. 
But I think it's a, a process of education and, and taking that in energy and interest because uh, at the heart of this is their passion for their child and turning that into, a, uh, into something positive and educating them about um, the medicines or the direction or the advice that, that we're giving. I don't uh, think that it's uh, a bad idea to have other views and opinions and, 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 and frequently second opinions on, on what we're recommending. I think in many ways that strengthens the, the process and having the parents engaged and involved in the team is such a powerful positive. Kurt Newman is the author of Healing Children, a Surgeon's Stories from the Frontiers of Pediatric Medicine. He's also the president and CEO of Children's National. Uh, what's the website for Children's National, Kurt? It's uh, uh, org. Kurt, thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you. It's wonderful to be part of this. Thank you. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Broughton, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment. Reading is an incredibly important skill, one that can affect almost every aspect of your life. Unfortunately, too many kids and adults don't enjoy reading. Graphic novels and series by J.K. Rowling like Harry Potter or Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events or the many series by Rick Reardon like Piercy Jackson and the Kane Chronicles and others have certainly helped attract young readers. But not all kids are interested in adventure, magic, or mystery. Here are some books for kids with other interests, including travel, building, filmmaking, writing, and life itself. Adventures with Zap by Diane Landy, illustrated by Allison Hershey. Reading and writing go together, and kids who excel at one tend to do well at the other as well. This book is designed to help kids grow as writers by stimulating their creativity. Zap, a blue alien from the planet Vox Nova, Meow, who's a stowaway from planet Earth, and Gooey, who's an orange alien from Vox Nova, give young readers more than a hundred creative prompts that usually start with getting the child to draw something. An idea would be, pretend you and your family have the noses of hound dogs, or draw a picture of a time you fell down and got hurt. And then they ask the child to write about the drawing. It's a smart, engaging way to build thinking and writing skills. It's for ages four and up, Costs about $9. You can get it at Amazon.com. Lights, Camera, Alice by Mara Rockliffe, illustrated by Simona Charolo. 
If you've never heard of Alice Guy Blachet, you're not alone. But Alice was the first female movie maker and one of the genre's most important innovators. Alice, who was born in France in 1875, experimented with camera angles, color, animation, and many other techniques that were decades ahead of their time. She was also one of the first to reverse traditional gender roles, such as having a leading lady jump off a bridge onto a speeding train, and was a pioneer in special effects, such as blowing up a pirate ship. Alice's story will be an inspiration to both girls and boys, and of course their parents. It's for ages 5 to 8, costs about $12. You can get it at Amazon.com. How to Build Airplanes by Peter Blackert If you've got bins full of Lego bricks or those from other similar-looking systems and you've wondered what to do with them, this book has the perfect answer. Build an airplane. Bleckert, who's a car designer in real life and did a book on building cars out of Lego, has provided detailed instructions for building dozens of jets, bombers, and warbirds. Plans include the Sopwith Camel, P-51D Mustang, the F-35, Mitsubishi Zero, and many more. The easier ones require fewer than 100 pieces. The more complicated ones use more than 2,000. But the good news is that you probably have most of the required pieces in those bins or under your couch. Great for Lego fans, airplane buffs, or anyone who's looking for a wonderful family activity. It's for ages 8 and up, costs under 16 bucks, and you can get it at Amazon.com. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.